What, they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real lightweights when I was like 12. Now listening to the Rod the Podcast with your hosts Jordan Betts and Mike Men. Welcome back, everybody. We are sitting at a little bit past the midway point of the season. We did our early check-in about a quarter of the way through. We're now checking back in at the midpoint. Episodes will likely pick up as the season comes to an end. That The latter half of the season always has a lot more going on. But it's a good point to check in. Hurricanes are currently 24-14-5 ahead of a Friday night tilt with the Ottawa Senators. 7-1-1 one one in their last nine games. Currently sitting third in the Metro with games in hand. The East in general, is a beast this year, the Metropolitan even more so. So getting into the playoffs is going to be a bigger challenge than maybe it has in the past, even though it was ultra competitive in past years as well. We'll dive back into that a little bit later as we kind of review where we're at this season. We look at the roster and we're, we're going to kind of talk about some trends we've seen in the second quarter of this season We've seen Aho really come into his game. He's looked like the player you want him to be for a long time in Carolina. He's got 15 goals, 33 assists, 48 points, you know, on pace for 94 points this season. And it's not all about that. Obviously, his importance on the ice, on special teams, whatever it may be, we're seeing the game that you need to see out of Aho consistently right now. And, you know, he kind of stirs the drink when when he's going. It helps get other guys going. One of those guys that he can really help propel is Andrei Svechnikov. He's only been able to play in 28 games this year, but 28 games, 28 points. Anytime you have those caliber of players at a point per game pace, we like that. 10 goals, 18 assists, starting to find his game. We know there's another level to Andre's play, and I think that we'll see it as the season progresses. We need him to stay healthy, but ultimately he is a big part of what this team does. His physicality, his puck retrieval on the boards, his ability to score, his confidence. He's certainly an agitator. Svech is integral to what this team does moving forward. Another young guy that has really taken a step for me this year would be Seth Jarvis. We're looking at 15 goals, 18 assists, 33 points through 43 games, right over three quarters of a point per game pace. Could end up in the 60s this season. The thing that impresses me most most about Seth is the reality that there's the confidence in the game. There is the fact that he's willing to do all the dirty work that you want out of a player and then the skill to match. He's a guy that is really built 
to play in the Rod Brendamore system. Rod Brendamore trusts him, which we'll talk about that a little bit more down the road. But these young guys, it takes a little bit more time to really earn Rod's trust. But Seth is getting up there, and the exciting part is that there's certainly another level to his game that he can get to. I think he can be even more of a factor offensively. But, you know, you throw him on one of the biggest offensive sieve lines being with Martin Nook and Stahl, and all of a sudden they're producing. And you see it, him coming off the wing, saucer passes to Martin Nook, et cetera, et cetera. Being that skill piece that can also mesh in with those guys, he's really valuable as a Swiss Army knife up and down the lineup. I think he certainly has sparked that line. I think he also played well when we when he was with Ajo. So the future is bright for Seth. We're excited about that. And then hats off to Jury. We mentioned with Jarvis, it can take these young guys a little bit more time to earn the confidence of Rod. And I think Jury has taken a massive step this year. Eight goals, 11 assists, 19 points. For thir- He's on pace for about 36 points. He's doing well in the face-off dot. He's getting time with special teams. And he seems confident. And he seems like he's winning Rod's trust. We talk about a guy that we get to finally see make a debut in Ponomarev. Very similar to Drury. I think Ponomarev has a ton of upside and upside, excuse me, and potential to be a really good NHL or whether that's middle six, bottom six, whatever it may be. And he, he showed flashes of that when he came up. Now, in a lot of organizations, you show flashes like that and you might bump out some of the guys that are slacking. But Rod, his whole system, his whole philosophy is built around trust and doing the little things, the dirty details and all of that. Jury's a guy that showed it. He's played every game this year. A guy that had to earn his roster spot, fight for it. He's played every game this year. And Ponomarev is a guy that will likely follow suit, whether it's next season, the following season. There's a bright future for him, without a doubt. But you sit here and you look at you look at the roster and you talk about where things were. We'll start with we'll go to the to Rod's doghouse, we'll call it that. We'll start with KK, a guy that had a really hot start to the season. He's still sitting at 18 points. The offensive production hasn't been there. Mistakes are creeping into the game. You can see there's a little bit of lack of confidence. And and Rod, you know, he's going to let KK play through it. KK's played every game this season. And even though he struggled, the optional skates, Rod's having him there, right? You can kind of tell who Rod isn't satisfied with by who is consistently at these optional skates when the rest of the team is resting and, and KK's there. We've seen flashes with KK where he can be a number two center. There's no doubt about that. We've seen flashes in his game where he's failed to show up. Consistency is super important in professional sports, especially when baseline isn't good enough for what you're getting paid. You've got to, you've got to stay above that. Um, and that's something that KK is struggling with right now. It's certainly something that you would hope corrects itself over time naturally. And we'd love to see KK be a big part of this team for a long time. 
but he's going to have to do the work and he's going to have to get through this somewhat of an identity crisis that may be going on right now. It's all speculation, but we saw the offensive jump at the beginning of the season. We know what Rod expects out of his centers defensively and even offensively what he expects. And and KK is maybe at the point where he's trying to decide, am I a scoring two center or am I a shutdown two center? And Rod might be deploying a shutdown and KK may be thinking offensive. And at the end of the day, it's the coach's decision what role the player plays. And hopefully we'll see that shake out over time. Another guy that's kind of in Rod's doghouse is Natchez. Similar, not really. It's kind of been an ongoing issue. I don't want to, you know, have too much conjecture here, but from what we can see from the outside, a guy like Natchez, ultra talented, there's no doubt about that, led the Hurricanes in points during the regular season last year. Somebody that you can certainly have for a long time and have success with. But with that being said, we we remember at exit interviews, he talked about wanting to play center. That hasn't materialized. We understand that, you know, he, he sees himself as a scorer. And, and at the end of the day, is it the best system fit for Natchez at this point? It might not be. It might not be. But these are all things that are a lot harder for us to you know, look at from the outside and, and make decisions based on. But the reality of the situation may be that to get the most out of Natchez, you need to play in another system. That's to be determined. I'm not a believer in giving up on a guy like that or moving on from a guy like that because we've seen it. We know what the skill is, the potential for Natchez to become a true top line, consistent player in my opinion, is extremely high, extremely high. I mean, the goal would be for your top line to be Svetch, Aho, Natchez, in my opinion, in for years and years to come. That's a first line that is really hard to compete with, and, and the reality is is that you have the plug-and-play pieces down the road to have a second, a third line that is also very good. So you don't have to worry about divvying up the wealth as much. But that's one that's one to keep an eye on. He's certainly he's certainly been in the doghouse, and we'll have to see if he can get out of it. The last guy we'll touch on, bunting. New system. It's a rigorous system. We've seen this many times. It is hard to come in playing the Kane system when you've played systems that are not nearly as demanding. With that being said, Bunting is still at 27 points through 42 games. No slouch on the point side by any means, but certainly I think Rod would like him to buy in more on the actual philosophy. So those are guys that, you know, you look at all of them. You're on a shorter contract for Bunting. There's definitely interest out there, I would I would assume, for his for his playability. Um, Natchez, there's definitely going to be interest. We're talking about an RFA that's already showed flashes of being a top line producer. KK, similar, a guy that's locked in on a on a team friendly contract for a long time with a cap that's going to continue to go up. These are all guys that, if 
the organization sits down and says, we're keeping Rod on, which is a decision between Rod and Tom Dundon. If we're looking at five more years of Rod Brendamore, there needs to be serious discussion about the guys that he does not think will maximize their abilities in the system. That's the only way that you can build the best roster possible is by bringing in guys that will maximize their ability here and shipping out guys that might not. So those are some names to keep an eye on. If things don't turn around, I think all of those players have value. Uh, honestly, very good value that could potentially be trade bait down the road. We're going to flip back to guys that are playing well. I mean, you look at a guy like Nason, what that is a heck of a signing by the hurricanes. They've, they've really got a guy that was kind of more on his way out and created a really solid bottom six player. I mean, you got to love his fit with Carolina. He really does match Rod's philosophy and you've turned something that, you know, was almost not NHL quality into a guy that's really good. And that's how, that's how it works when you really look at the NHL. There's there's going to be guys that didn't get their chance because they never got to play in the system that fit them best, right? Or there are guys that are going to get paid a ton of money because they played in the perfect system for them, and then they go to another team with a different system, and all of a sudden they flounder. That's That's the part that you have to love about what the Canes do. They don't take these big swings that are going to set them way back when you haven't had an opportunity to see if there's a match or not. Another guy who I think is rounding into form is Orlov. The discourse around Orlov kind of cracks me up. We see what Brady Shea has become in the Kane system, but I think so many people forget what year one and change of Brady Shea was like. There were people that were extremely frustrated in the investment in Brady Shea for a, a decent period of time. Orlov is coming around you see the little steps and for me personally i think next year will only be better for him um but but i like his game and i like the addition on the blue line and i think in the in the two-year contract term i think it'll work out for the canes we knew it was an overpay when we signed him but that's what you have to do to shorten that term up and the canes are really big on term when it comes to older players so that's kind of what we'll touch on for now, the team is certainly starting to play better. There were stretches of the season that it became hard to watch, and there's no denying that. The buy-in is coming back. They're reaching another level, and the beautiful part is is there is another level that they can reach. Now we're going to talk about the hot topic that's kind of been what everybody is freaking out about, and that's obviously the goalies. Right, we lose Freddie to blood clots. You have to hope the best for him. Hopefully, it's being managed, and he's healthy now. But the concern with that is coming back to the NHL after suffering from blood clots is going to be a very massive challenge. The danger of blood clots blood clots is very real, and I, I, I say this when when I'm chatting with friends and stuff is I would never want to be the doctor that clears him to play. So it's hard to make your plan 
unless you know what's really going on. And the only people that have a clue are Anderson and the organization. I don't think we would see any serious movement for another couple weeks. I think that February window is when things could start to change in that regard. But we'll move on. Kachekov really started to come into his game, turned it around, tough start to the season for him, starting to find his game, starting to build upon his game and becoming the guy that the Canes drafted, unfortunately takes a shot to the head, is out with a concussion. You can only hope that he recovers fully and comes back and picks up right where he left off. The future for him is bright. He's still got room to improve. He's got to build on his confidence, and he's just got to mature in net. That's something that'll happen with time. I think the Canes have done their best development-wise, trying to get him as much playing time as possible, and we hope to see him back soon as he's going to be an important piece of the Canes this season and moving forward. Obviously, Ranta gets set down, sent down to Chicago earlier in the season, has Probably one of the toughest stretches of his whole career. Comes back. The Canes fans all get behind him. And that's really, it's a beautiful thing to see because when you see Ronta's post-game interview, he talks about how much it means to him. These are guys, goaltenders that are battling, battling through confidence, whatever it may be. And it's easy to feel like, you know, you're, you're letting everybody down and the disappointment and stuff like that. And Kane's fans really rallied behind Ranta and he's, he's picked up his play and has given the Canes a serviceable option while they're in a really tough spot. Obviously we see Peretz get to step in for him at the end of the LA Kings game. Uh, the Canes just didn't play well. Three o'clock game on a Monday for the Justin Williams hall of fame induction and the team just never showed up. Not really on Ronta, but Peretz gets to step in. He goes straight from ECHL to getting to play, I think, 10, 15 minutes in the NHL. And you've got to be proud for a guy like that. But the reality is he's not NHL ready. And the Canes need to continue to play him in the ECHL, maybe down the road, get him into the AHL and let him continue to develop. He's not a guy that's going to step in and save the Kane season or anything along those lines, which leads me to the news that dropped today. The Canes claimed Spencer Martin off waivers. Essentially, this is your goalie three or four, depending on who gets healthy when. This is so you do not have to play Peretz. So Ranta has Martin as a backup now, and you move forward. It's a good signing. There's no reason to throw Peretz to the Wolves. So bring in Martin, a guy that's got over 50 games of NHL experience. I believe he's 28 or 29, somewhere in that ballpark. So he's matured, and he's at that phase in his career where he's prepared for whatever is needed from him in the short term with the Hurricanes. With that all being said, the main point we get to is everybody is all over the internet talking about goaltender trades. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Anderson is going to be the determining factor for what the Canes do in the trade market. If it appears that Anderson is done for the season, he may be done for his career. It's hard to really guess 
at this point, but there is a realistic chance that Anderson is done. If he's done, I certainly think the Canes will explore the trade market. If Kachetkov takes a lot longer to come back, the Canes will likely explore the trade market. And what does that look like? Well, there's a ton of guys out there. And it sounds like they're all overpriced. And a lot of them aren't really appetizing. You look at the teams that are really out of it or the teams that may be sellers. We'll look at a, like a brief list here. You look at a guy like Jonas Corposalo out in Ottawa. I mean, he's signed for $4 million until 2028. He's almost 30 years old. His goals against average is 3.63 and his save percentage is .885. That makes absolutely absolutely zero sense for the hurricanes to go after even if they were to retain salary i don't see the canes reaching for a contract like that for a guy that's playing the way he's playing so i would go ahead and move on from corpusalo we look at mers lickens out in columbus another guy that's almost 30 signed to 5.4 million until 2027 3.22 goals against this year with a 906 save percentage. The only way that is appetizing to the Hurricanes is if Columbus eats half of that salary hit. And even then, it depends on what they want back. I'm not sure that that makes a ton of sense for the Canes, and I don't think it's your best option on the market. Depending on what the Canes' mentality is this year, as we get closer to the playoffs. Another goalie. You can go knock on Buffalo's door and see what they think. Devin Levi not having the greatest season, but obviously he's a young goalie that they're invested in. So it makes you wonder if Lukanen is on the market. He's one of the better options. 2.64 goals against 909 save percentage. He's an RFA with a cap hit of 837,500. He's almost 25 years old. That's a guy the Canes could bring in and and maybe run with for an extended period of time. That could be a tandem with a Kachetkov. Certainly not something I would say no to. Price is definitely going to be higher than the previous two guys we mentioned, but you have to think there's a chance Buffalo may be willing to move on if the return makes sense for them another guy that's been talked about a lot in the market jake allen out in montreal a guy 33 years old 3.85 million through 2025 3.49 goals against average 901 save percentage it, it it seems like a short-term plug like let's let's see if this guy can get hot in the playoffs i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to bring that player on at a 3.85 cap hit when you have another year of him. So there would probably need to be some retention and also not the most appetizing offer that's or goalie that's out there. So not sure that one makes a ton of sense. Both the goalies in San Jose, whether it's Kakinen or Blackwood, um, neither are having great seasons. Neither of them really make sense for me. They could be cheap options that you hope rebound. They've both had better seasons, but not appetizing to me again. The interesting one, which if we're, if we're going to talk reunions, 
There's a guy out in Chicago named Peter Mrazek who has 3.04 goals against average, 907 save percentage, is in his final year of a $3.8 million deal. He's almost 32, but if you're looking for maybe a cheaper one-year let's see what happens, can we recreate the magic of 2019, then maybe maybe Mrazek is a guy that the Canes explore if they if they want to ride a Kochetkov, Mrazek, Ronta trio and just see if they can get one of them hot. I don't think it's totally unrealistic and I don't think the price would be too expensive. So might be something the Canes check in on, but that might be wishful thinking. We'll jump to the guy that gets linked every single year for God knows how many years. John Gibson out in Anaheim having a down season, 3.06 goals against, 901 save percentage, 30 years old. Big deal is 6.4 million until 2027. He's always had that pedigree factor, but at the end of the day, that's an expensive goalie that's signed for a little bit longer than you'd probably like. And you probably don't want him at 6.4. The Canes have already showed they're not paying a goalie 6.4. It's going to have to be it's going to have to be a upper echelon goalie if the Canes are going to break from their cor- their current format. So, I don't see that one happening. It sounds like the price is really high to bring in Gibson and I'm not sure that it matches what the organization is looking for in terms of their long-term plan. Another short-term option that is similar to Mrazic is just a random goalie named Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, no big deal. 2.97 goals against, 897 save percentage this season. Certainly having a down year, but Minnesota as a whole is having a down year. In his career, he's been a 2.59 goals against, 912 save percentage. He is old. There's no denying that at 39 years old. He's on his last year of a $3.5 million contract, and that's a guy that can certainly turn it on for a playoff run. There's no doubt about that. He'll probably be, he'll not probably, he'll be more expensive than a Mrazic most likely, but it's certainly an entertaining prospect if the Canes truly do have Stanley Cup aspirations for this year and you don't have Anderson a a duo of Flurry and Kachetkov with Ranta in the wings if necessary gives you a shot for one of those two to get really hot they both have the potential to do so so I don't hate that and now we'll jump to one of the guys that's going to be one of the more expensive ones on the list as well it's been all over that Calgary is willing to trade half their roster there could be a big trade similar to the previous trade we saw when Hannafin and Lindholm were shipped out and you brought in Dougie and Fox and Furlan and all that. There could be there could be a trade of that nature to be made with Calgary. Focusing on the goal, you look at Markstrom having a good a good year. Two two five nine goals against, nine twelve save percentage. He's almost thirty-four. $6 million contract through 2026. I think obviously if the Canes are going to keep a guy on through 2026, they're going to want to see some of that $6 million retained. But there's no denying that Markstrom 
is a high caliber goaltender and he's playing well this season for a team that is underperforming and there's no doubt about that. So you look at those lists, there's certainly goalies out there. Mark, your Markstroms are going to be expensive. There's no doubt about that. Flurry and Mrazek will be rentals that you're going to have to pay for. You're not going to get anybody for free. If you're looking to go a younger goalie route, Lukanen is one that I would consider exploring. And that's really only looking at teams that have either actively said they're shopping players or teams that at, at the current moment are on the outside, outside looking in on the playoffs. So there's absolutely a chance the Canes spring to make a move. I could really see Markstrom making sense to come back to the Hurricanes. I think we would all like another chance with you know, the Elias Lindholm relationship. That one ended salty on both terms. I think Lindholm and uh, I think the Canes fans were very salty with Lindholm. And I think Lindholm showed that saltiness right back when he mocked the storm surge on his return after Canes fans booed him. I, I think it would be a, uh, a good return. Lindholm is a guy that always talked about wanting to play for Rod. I mean, you you could bring in a Lindholm, a Markstrom, maybe one of the other pieces that's available on the market to really go for a Stanley Cup. That would scream that the Canes think they're going to go to the Stanley Cup. But I will always follow that with this. You look at Florida. Florida went for it. They trade for Claude Drew. Ultimately, they give up two massive pieces, a guy in Tippett that's starting to look like the guy he was expected to be when drafted and a 2024 first round pick. Those are two huge pieces for a team that did not win a Stanley cup. Those are the chances you take when you chase, chase a Stanley cup is giving up pieces like that. You have to be okay with giving up those pieces and ultimately not winning a cup. The Canes organization has showed they like to hold on to their assets. They like the philosophy of draft and develop. They like to take big swings, as many as they can, as they've showed with the plethora of picks they've made over the years. So don't be surprised if they're hesitant to move on from some of those guys. Don't be surprised if it's a bunting, a natchez, a KK, something along those lines that's moved out. So just realize when we all sit here and ask for, let's add this, let's do this. Like we should be making a run for the cup. The repercussions are real and the chance to win the cup only slightly gets better. There are teams that have a really, really good shot every single year that don't win the cup. So you have to decide what you want, what you want to be the team that spends and spends and spends to have a few shots or the team that consistently gets there and has a shot. Everybody that makes it has a shot. That's just something to keep in mind. And it's kind of why, you know, we look at the situation the Canes are in and there might not be a, a bunch of action at the same time. There could be a ton of action. It might be the time to maximize your roster when you are potentially losing a Shea, a Pesci, a Teravine, and 
Um, you've got guys getting older. I mean, Burns is aging out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. You've got a core that you're likely going to lose pieces from. Is it the year to maximize it or is it not? We'll follow up on this more in the future as things kind of take shape. If we see Anderson return, I think your trade deadline targets narrow substantially. Um, If Anderson doesn't, I think it could be a really interesting remainder of the regular season. Enjoy the hockey games. We'll be back soon. Take care.